0: Welcome to all those joining us for the Shear in Chayim Aran. We're continuing in the section entitled Mylas Toiroso Yasfor of The Great Benefit of Rab- and the Greatness of Rabbenazal's Toira and his Holy Sforim. And we're up to Paragraph Shin Ches 378. Rab says, Regarding writing Rabbeinazal Sforim a number of the chapters on Likut Imran were written by Rabbein himself. And generally, in most of the printings of Likut Imran, those chapters which Rabbein actually wrote, it says in front of it, loshein Rabbein that this is his exact writing, his exact wording. Uktsas ksavuhu hacheveirim There are several chapters on Likut Imran, somewhere between five and ten chapters on Likut Imran, that were written by other students, other than Rav Noson the hashar kosafti, and the rest, the remainder, the majority of the chapters in the Kedemran, Rav Noson is the one who wrote it. He listened. He was present when Rav Nezal told the shir, He wrote it over himself, and then he sat with Rav Benizal. Rav Nezal edited Rav Nosanzal's words. Went over every word. Omar, Rav Nezal said regarding this. That my wording is very close to what Rabbein Ezzel's intention was, and and Ezzel liked the way that I worded it, and he said that after him, I'm the closest one to his exact writing, meaning to be able to present what he said clearly and properly. Obviously, Rabbi Nosenzal writes, Rabbi Nizal's wording, his own wording, was obviously much better, of course. But after his wording, he said, my wording is immediately afterwards in terms of the, the level, and much clearer and better than that of the other students who had written it. Because Rabbi Nizal was not pleased with the way they write it. He said that in most cases, number one, they didn't really understand his intentions properly, and the little bit that they did understand, they weren't able to express it properly in writing to present what they, what they understood. Whereas Rav Zal writes, Hashem gave me Loshan Limudim, Hashem gave me a gift, the ability to write in, in order to be able to teach people. And Rav Enizal, Baruch Hashem, Rav Enizal liked the way that I wrote with Hashem's help. This is a very important point for those who learn Likud Imran. You actually see these three different categories. You see the Torahs that are Lush and Rabbein which are usually more sharp, more, the wording is more tight. The Torahs that Rav Nosanzal wrote are usually much more explanatory. Rav Nosanzal explains more, broadens more, makes it, brings it down more, makes it easier to understand and the Torahs that we have from loshen chaverim there we see that it's usually not that clear and in most cases rav Zal presents the way they wrote it and then he says because this is not really that clear i will attempt to write my version of how i understood it and how what i understood rav Nasenazal intended and usually rav Zal's version is much clearer the next paragraph Shinine test 379. Rav says that once Rav Zal was riding with Rav in a wagon because he was one of the students that accompanied Rav on his trip to the city of Novorich, which was a, a long trip. And Rav was holding the Sefer Hamidois that he had in his hands. A, a handwritten copy of the Sefer Hamidois. Rabbeinu Zal saw it, <coughs> and Rabbeinu Zal commented. He said in Yiddish, "Mein lieber herziger Khaver, my heartfelt, heart close friend, "Mein lieber getreier Chaver," my my beloved trustworthy friend, referring to this Sefer. He said, "This is what made me into a a religious Jew," referring to the Sefer Hamidos which is also called the Aleph Beis book, the Sefer Aleph Beis. This is something that Rabbein wrote, <coughs> a large part of it he wrote before his Bar Mitzvah, and the second part he wrote afterwards, but also during his youth. And in Sefer Amidus, there's several thousand important statements regarding every facet of Yiddishkeit and life that the, the Rabbeinu Zal himself did not really give the sources for them. Rabbi Nassim Zal worked and compiled quite a number of sources for many of the things in Sefer Amidos. His student, rab Nachman Chirin, who was an incredible goyim, invested an incredible of ta- amount of time and effort researching, and he added, I believe, over a thousand additional sources to these statements in Sefer Amidus. And then, years later, it was discovered that one of the most outstanding, famous rabbis in Poland, Rabbi Tzodok Hakoyen, who was not a breast Hasid, he was himself a, a great author of Sforim, and he was looked upon as a rebbe in Poland. Many, many people looked to him as the greatest leader, Hasidic leader in Poland at the time. And Rabbi Tzodayk wrote additional mara ekoimais, additional footnotes, additional sources for many of the things that appear in Sefer Hamidais. I believe about 20 years ago, Breslov Research Institute invested, maybe even more, 25 years ago, a tremendous project <coughs> to what the Reb Kalman Reuzen, the son of Rebbe Rosen, Rosen, who researched and explained each one of those Maramakoimas generally were just addresses, a Pasuk, a quote from Rashi, but he actually went on to explain exactly how that source matches and clarifies the statement that Rabbeinazal made. The next statement, 380, Rabbeinazal said, and the, the Sefer Aleph Beis goes in order of the Aleph Beis. It starts with Emes, Emuna, Bays, Begodim, Gimel, Gaiva, and so on and so forth, giving several listings for each letter of the Aleph Bays. Rabbi Nezal said that for the letter Resh, he had a major chapter on the topic of refuah, cures, healing. And Rabbi Nezal said he had written there <coughs> cures, for every type of illness that was known in the world. However, he refused to publish it, and he burned it in the end. We know the Gemara tells us that Chizkiyot HaMelech had a Sefer of Fuis, also a Sefer, which had all the cures for different types of illnesses, and he decided to hide it not to make it available to the public. One of the obvious reasons is so that people would rely on tefillah, not, not on these medicines. The next paragraph, Shin aleph. Rabbein said that if the Baal Shem To'iv would hear Rabbein Torah, he would consider it a Chiddush. He would consider it something new to him. If Rabbi Shimon Bar would hear his Torah, he would also consider it a Chiddush, something new. Rabbi Nezah was making it clear that the Torahs that he revealed were not were not simply a review of something in the past, but there was something new in all of his Torahs. The next paragraph, Shin Pei Beis, 382, Rabbi Nazar said that when I wanted to go to Eretz Yisroel, I spoke a certain type of Torah. Afterwards, when I started the trip to Eretz Yisrael, the Torah changed. It went to another level. When I, when I was in Eretz Yisroel, I also said a, a completely different level of Torah, and when I returned from Eretz Yisrael, there also it was a, a different level of Torah. And Rabnosan Zal comments that Rabbein Zal made it very clear that the most precious and important understanding of Torah and the highest levels of Torah that he achieved were only after he had already been in Eretz Yisrael, to the point where he felt ashamed and embarrassed of the Torah that he had spoken before his trip to Eretz Yisroel. And the vast majority of Likute Maran, which is all of Rabbein official shurim, are from the Torah that he gave over after he returned from Eretz Yisroel. There's only a few, three or four chapters of Likute Maran that are from Torahs that he he revealed before his trip to Eretz (laughs) Yisroel. And Rav Nosan Zal says those appear in middle of the sefer. It's interesting to note that one of those torahs that Rav Zal said before he went to Eretz is chapter two hundred and fifteen, I believe, where Rav Zal speaks about the fact that there are twenty four different courts in heaven, and in order to in order to appeal a judgment, a person named tzaddik has to know all twenty four courts because if he presents an appeal and he does it in the wrong court, obviously it's not going to work. So he has to be familiar with all 24 different courts in order to be able to know exactly which court is judging a particular person for a particular issue. And Rabbeinu Zalveh speaks about a pidyon a tzaddik being able to present a pidyon a redemption that can, an appeal that can turn over a judgment in any one of these different courts. And there he speaks about a pidyon hakoilel, that there is a pidyon which can knock out, it's like a master key, which can knock out a judgment in any or all of the 24 different courts. And Rabbi Nizal says that there's a chad bedorah, there's one Sadik in a generation that knows, that's familiar with this pidyon hakoil, that would know this pidyon that's so powerful that it could appeal and overturn a judgment in any one or all of the 24 courts. And Rav Nosenzhal comments, note, Rav said this before his trip to Eretz Yisrael, that at that time already, he was knowledgeable in all of these courts and the Pigin and the Pigin HaKolel. So we could imagine what kind of levels Rav reached afterwards if he said he was embarrassed with the Torahs that he revealed before his trip to Eretz Yisrael. Rab Nossenzel writes that I once heard Rabbein say, he was talking about his Sefer, the Likute Moran, that had been printed, which is what we call today the first half of Likute Moran, book one of Likute Moran, which is the first close to 300 Shurim. <clears throat> Rabbein said, and he was sort of joking, and he said, there are going to be Svarim published, and they're going to write in each one of the sefarim that he is the author of this Sefer, and that Sefer, and another Sefer, in the way they write about rabbis who authored several different sforim. Rabbi Nizal was hinting to us that there are going to be multiple sforim from him. And Rab Zal says, sure enough, Baruch Hashem, we see... Rabbi Zal saw during his time the fulfillment of this we know that the official Sforim that we have from Rabbein himself are the Likutei Moran, the two books of Likutei Moran, the first one that was published during his lifetime, and the second one that was published afterwards, which were mostly the Shurim that he gave the last part of his life. <clears throat> Another approximately 100 chapters of Likutei Moran in Book 2. Then there's the Sipur the 13 stories that he told, in addition 13 major stories in addition to quite a number of parables and short stories that we have in Chaim Aran and in other places and the Sefer Hamidois. Those are the three official Sforim. We know that rab Nosenzal wrote Likutei Etzois, Likutei Maran, <clears throat> and Likutei Halachos, Likute Tfilois, and the many Sforim that came afterwards that are all extensions of Rabbeinazal's Sforim. They're all based on Rabbeinazal's Sforim and extensions, explanations, or in some cases, a likut, a collection of all of Rabbeinazal's statements on a particular topic. The next paragraph, Shin Pei Dalid, Rabbeinazal said, Of course any word, any dvar torah, or any any speech that comes out of my mouth, <coughs> there's no such thing as it not having something new in it. But even a breath that comes out of my mouth, every breath that comes out of my mouth, does not leave my mouth without his chachis, without a newness. And this is one of the most important concepts that Rabbi Nezal taught and stressed to us, in terms of a person living a fulfilling life, a happy life, a meaningful life, this concept of his (coughs) new. We know that Hashem, Kaviyocho, Hashem defines himself as new. We say in the davening every morning, (laughs) that Hashem, out of his goodness, creates the world anew every single day. And we say also when we get up in the morning, we also say there, Raba Emuna Secha. Chadoshem. The Pasuk says Chadoshem Labakorim, new every single morning, Raba Emuna Secha, increasing one, one's emuna. And the 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 Sifrei Kabbalah tell us that the Jewish people are compared to the moon; the other nations are compared to the sun. The difference being that the sun is basically stagnant. It doesn't, it doesn't look different on different days. Whereas the moon is constantly changing, never the same. In the first half of the month, every day it's becoming larger, it's increasing in size. The second half of the month, it's decreasing. But new, every single day there's something new. And, and in the tefillah, in the Birka Sahlavana, we mentioned this. <coughs> Tizchadei Shateres has several times that when we speak about the Kiddush Lavana, that we speak about this concept of his Hizhachas. This is something that Rabbein was outstanding in and he tried to do everything he could to pass on this secret to us. When a person studies Torah or anything a person does if they're doing it like something they've already done before it has a certain value to it. If a person does it like it's something new, brand new. I'm approaching, I'm learning this page for the first time. I'm saying this tefillah for the first time. Obviously, it's something completely different. Rav Zal says, I was once speaking to Rabbein Hazal, and I said to him that every conversation with Rabbein is is always, it's literally Torah even if they seem to be talking about things that are not directly, in an obvious way, connected to Torah. And Rabbein agreed. And he said, just like a lamdan, a lamdan means a person who is very heavily immersed in studying Gemara, Gemara Rashi, toysvis, with the commentaries, those people usually, if you'll ever engage them in a conversation they'll always have some type of expression from the Gemara or some type of a nuance or they'll inject a word that the Gemara would say, Memela that comes out like this. Or if it, it, the, you'll always see that every type of conversation they have has that flavor of the style of the, the Gemara that they're learning. And Rabbi Nezal said so too in all of his conversations and all of his words, there must be in Yonim of Torah. As, and Rav Nossal says, as we saw many times in, in many of the conversations that we had, that we'd be, we'd be having a conversation with him, and he would make a statement, and then suddenly he would show how that statement that seemed to be an ordinary statement opened up a whole fantastic Dvar Torah. And Rav Nossal says, this is what we saw with our own eyes, besides the things that we didn't see and we didn't understand, which people on our level cannot necessarily know. This is Rav Nossenzel referring to himself. Shin Pei said that during the Shabbosim, there were only sh- few Shabbosim in the year when Rav would be together with students for Shalashuris, and he would give over Torah. Shabashira, Nachamu. <coughs> and and one other Shabbos in the year, Sh- Shabbos Hanukkah, whereas the other Shabbosim, Rabbi Nassau would eat Shalashudas in a private room, alone. His students would have Shalashudas together, they would sing Zmiras, and Rabbi Nassau would eat privately. And he said during those times when he was by himself, he would speak to Hashem a lot at Shalashudas, pleading, begging Hashem for all the things that, that, that he felt were important to be mispavled for. And he would speak so much to the point where in middle of his speaking to Hashem, there would be divrei Torah coming out without him even intending it. A whole dvar Torah coming out in his tefillah to Hashem without any intention. And then Rabbi Nezal would pay attention to the words that were coming out of his mouth, and he saw that was really a beautiful Dvar Torah, that he, that he brought forth a new, a new revelation in Torah without intending it. This came out naturally as part of his Tfilah to Hashem. And Rabbi Nezal says, Rabbi Nezal told him, that this is some of the Torahs that we have written down on Likut Imran, which Rabbein said on Moitsoi Shabbos after they made Havdolah, where they would stand around together after Havdola and Rabbein would be speaking, give over a Dvar Torah, and he said that this to- some of these Torahs were Torahs that came out as a result of his tefillah in his own room during Shavashuris at that time. The next statement, Shin Pei Zion, there's a chapter in Likudimran that's based on a Pasuk in Mizmo Shilia Mashabas, where the Pasuk begins, Bakoroi Volai Mereim Tishman Oznoi. And there are actually two chapters in Likudimran that are based on that pasuk. One chapter is chapter 36, and the other one is chapter 101. Both of them are based on this pasuk, and both of them are major, major dvartoras. <coughs> And Rabbein commented that in the Torah BaKor Avlai is found the *Soid Kavonas Kiddush, the explanation that the Arizal gives as to what's taking place when a person makes Kiddush on Friday night can all be found, can be found hiddenly in that chapter on Likud Emran. And Rabbein says at first people thought he was referring to the earlier chapter, Torah Lamedvav. But Rabbein says I heard afterwards That it's actually in the second one, chapter 101 in Likut Imran, that's the one that has in it the Soid Kavonas Kiddush. It's interesting to note that in Likut is, at least in one place, possibly in more, Rabnosan Zal goes into an incredible, incredible explanation showing clearly how the Arizal shows that when a person is making Kiddush on Friday night, they're actually elevating. The Malchus, the kingdom of Hashem, through all its different levels of elevations, elevating the Malchus first to the level of Netzachoi Yesoid above it, and then to the level of Chesed Gvorot and then shining into it from Chokh Das. Rab Nosenzal in Likut in Elochus goes into a fantastic explanation showing the connection between a chapter in Likut Emeran and the Arizal's Kavonis on how all of this is working during the Avot of the Kiddush Friday night. And once again, a person who doesn't know all of that, but they perform the mitzvah of reciting Kiddush on Friday night with faith, believing that in every word of the Kiddush there are very, very deep things. And in every action, how we lift up the cup with both hands, and then we switch it into the right hand, and the position where we hold the cup across the chest area and looking into the wine that there are incredible, significant spiritual things taking place with each and every movement and each and every aspect of what we're doing in reciting the Kiddush Friday night while we're on the topic many people aren't aware the Ramor brings this in Shulchan Aruch and I remember my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld stressing this that in the Friday night kiddish, when Yoim Hashishi, it's divided into two sections, really. You have the paragraph Yoim Hashishi, which it's important. Yoim Hashishi is the last two words of a Pasuk. So the one reciting the Kiddush doesn't begin from the words Yoim Hashishi. He's supposed to say silently first, Erev, Ere, Voiker, and then raise his voice and say, Yoim Hashishi. Vayichulu Hashamayim. Those four words, Yoyim Hashishi Vayichulu Hashamayim, the first letters there make up Hashem's name, Yud k Vav k, which is very, very special. And that therefore it's important, if possible, to recite those four words together and then to pause for a moment. Lekim and then to continue with the Kiddush, so that we're, we're making a connection to Hashem in those first four words. And while a person is reciting that first paragraph, they're supposed to be looking at the candles, unless if the person has to look into a siddur, they don't know the words by heart, then of course they're allowed to do that. But if the person is able to not look into the siddur, or for the other people listening to the kiddush, on Friday night they're supposed to be looking at the candles during the first part of the Kiddush those first 35 words when, when, the, when the person begins the bracha that's when you're supposed to be looking at the wine for that bracha and the continuation of the Kiddush the Gemara tells us that if a person runs during the week it can weaken a person's eyesight the Gemara says how can you fix that? The Gemara says, with Kiddush Friday night, through the reciting of Kiddush Friday night, that can repair the damage. And the Gemara says, actually, that running, taking big steps, taking lo- long steps during the week, can, de- can diminish, can take away one five-hundredth of a person's eyesight. That's the wording in the Gemara. What is this all about? And here again, I heard from my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, of that We know that on Friday night, a woman lights candles. According to the Zohar Kodesh, the the number of candles that are supposed to be lit are two one for Shamor, one for Zohar. There are people who have different customs of adding additional candles for depending on how many children they have, different reasons. But according to the Zohar Kodesh, it's two candles. And that's what my Rebbe Rosenfeld taught his students two candles. One for Shamar, one for zachar The word Nair is 250. Two times Nair is 500. By a person lighting those two candles on Friday night and looking at those candles during the first part of the Kiddush, that can restore any one of those 500 units of vision that a person might have lost during the week, that gets restored during the Kiddush Friday night. Now we know that there are many other references to the eyes in the Friday night Kiddush. Number one, the fact that there are 70 words in the Kiddush. Those that follow Nusach Sfard, Nusach Ashkenaz adds a couple of words, Ki hu yoim but if you follow the Nusach Sfard siddur, Yoim Hashishi, and afterwards, there's exactly 70 words. Thir- broken up into 35 and 35. The number 70 is the eye. Yayin, the word yayin is 70. All of these things showing that that kiddush on Friday night is something special related to a tikkun for the eyes, the vision. We know that the Zohar HaKadosh tells us that the word Shabbos also, the word Shabbos relates to the eyes. The letter shin has three heads to it, corresponding to the three colors of the eye and the the remaining letters bas, the word bas refers to the pupil of the eye which is called bas ayin, the pupil of the eye so all of these pertain to a tikkun for the eyes that takes place on Shabbos and again especially during the Kiddush on Friday night any questions please? Reb Nasser the tikkun for the eyes you're referring to on a physical level I understand. Are we also talking about a tikkun for seeing in that deeper sense that it's used, that we hear about in the Torah in terms of... Most definitely. We're talking especially spiritually, a person being able to see, to see Hashem's light in the Torah, to be able to see Hashem's... the the divine intervention in everything throughout our lives <clears throat> and, and to be able to see what we're supposed to see and not see what we're not supposed to see, and, and also refers to a person's physical vision improving one's vision. All of these all of these are included.: okay. The next paragraph, 388, Rabbein Eal said <clears throat> that those people who listen to the divrei Torah of a true tzaddik and they don't understand it, they can't follow it, it's above their level, in the future world, they will be able to understand it. Because Rabbi Nizal stressed that the main focus of the Torah that he's giving over is for our neshamos. He's speaking to our souls with the hope that when we'll come to the next world, our neshamas will be familiar and knowledgeable with those high-level Torahs, and there we'll be able to get the real understanding. Rabbeinu is that while we're living in this world also, obviously he wants us to to try our best to understand these Torahs and to fulfill the advice in each one of those Torahs on, on a simple practical level as we heard from him many times, that he wanted us to live with his shirim, with the, with the Torahs, meaning that what he really wanted us to try to do was to take a chapter on the Kutemran, a Torah, and to, to go with that, to live with that chapter for a week or a month, so that everything we're doing throughout that period of time, that week or month, we're always connecting it to the, the concepts that appear in that chapter on the Kutemoran. And then the afterwards go on to another chapter and do this also so that a person is spending their life going with these each one of the Torahs on the Kutemoran. And if a person wants to do this and makes a sincere effort to do this, Hashem helps a person. The most important thing is. Not to get confused, not to get overwhelmed, not to try to do everything in one shot, but rather slowly, gradually. Person doesn't have to take the whole thing. To take, even if they're starting with one idea that's presented in a Torah, and to hold on to that, and to keep that in mind throughout the entire day, and to see what comes up during the during their day, to see how it's connected, how that Torah can relate to it. And through this, a person could be zeiched to incredible things, to the point where a person eventually will be able to be zeiched to fulfill everything. And this is something that the Breslava Hasidim, in previous generations, this is something that was spoken about very often, and, and people would see in meeting a friend, they would be able to see in conversation sometimes where he's holding, that right now, this month or this period of time, he's involved in this Torah, and generally the conversations with him would be related to that. It's interesting that in recent years, in Breslov, in Eretz Yisrael, there were people who started a project focusing on this and choosing a chapter on the Imran, and trying to organize, trying to publish it with the commentaries, with the tefillah, and, and spread it, so that as many Brestleva Hasidim as possible would be on the same page. They'd all be focusing on a particular chapter of Likut Imran for a month or three months, a three-month period, and people would, would be thinking into it, and possibly coming up with chidushim on it, and, and submitting these chidushim, and they would publish it, making a major project of connecting to a, a specific chapter on the Just like the author, the, the the one who, Rabbi Meir Shapiro, who came up with the idea of Daf Yoimi, so that Jews all over the world, in addition to whatever other learning they were doing, would all be on the same page. They would all devote part of their day to learning a particular page of Gemara, Said so if Jews would meet and they would want to speak about something, everyone would know that they are connected to this particular page. Question in the chat: when a person tries to go with the Torahs on the Kutimran, should they do this in order? Or should they pick a Torah that speaks to them at that particular time? The answer is it's definitely okay to pick something that the person feels relevant, related, you know, connected to at a particular time. The next paragraph, Shin <clears throat> the connection between in Torah, torus Zal says is like the construction of a of a, law, of a building or weaving a tapestry where where first he connects two things together then he brings in a third item and connects it to the second with several, showing several beautiful connections between two and three, and then going on from three to four, and then usually ending up coming back and showing the connection between all four of those things, how they're all really connected together. At first, when the person's learning, they don't see the connection, they just see the individual connections. He's making a connection that A is connected to B in this way, and B is connected to C, and so on and so forth. But it's afterwards, as you get into it, you see Rabbein Islam will quote psukim, or gemaras, or things from the Zohar Kodish showing how everything, everything is perfectly connected from all different sides in, a, in an incredible way. And, and that'll be in one section of the Torah. Then he'll go on to another section of the Torah, which seems to be something completely new and not necessarily connected to the previous section. But then Rabbi Enzal first will show a connection between one item in the first section and one item in the second section. And then afterwards, he'll show proofs and all kinds of different ways, showing how the entire second section is connected to the first one. And, and Rav Zal says that all of this, Rav was speaking about on Moetzoy the day after Yom Kippur, a few days before he passed away. Rav passed away on Chala <coughs> And Rav Zal says, I feel I need to elaborate on this and bring several samples, examples to show in order for a person to really understand how this works. Recently, there was a, a, a friend in Yerushalayim, this is going back several years ago, who decided those who study computer programming know that there's something called a flowchart, where when a person has to do a certain kind of project, they, they, they start mapping it out. <clears throat> what's step one, and then what's step two, and what's step three, and, and how step three has this two choices from step three. It could be either this or that, and exactly how are you going to follow through. And this person actually did a a flow chart of Likute Maran. I believe he ended up completing it. I don't know, I don't think it's been published yet in any way, but showing each one of the Torahs mapping it out in a way for a person to be able to see the steps. That first point A, then A is connected to B in this way, and B, branches out to C and D, two different things, and then, and showing all the interconnections between them. A question, uh, where can we find written the Minhagim of Friday Night Kiddush? The answer is, I, I don't know if it's written in any in organized specific way, <coughs> but uh, some of it appears in some of the Shurim that we've given, that, that my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld gave, these aren't necessarily and minhogim. These are minhogim that are based sometimes on the Arizal, the Zohar Kodesh, which which is what many of the Breslava Hasidim follow. Rav continues on on this topic, and he says Rav once explained to me that his torahs are like a person walking into a palace that has many different chambers and rooms and porches and all kinds of different. Things, and, and levels on top of levels, uh, high, balconies and balconies on top of those balconies. And when a person enters into one room and they start looking at it and they see how beautiful that room is, they see the beautiful chidushim in that room, then suddenly they see that that room opens into another room and that room opens into still another room and from so on and so forth. And then it goes up to a balcony that's even higher than that and all of them open into each other, and they're all interconnected and interwoven. And Ram says all of this is impossible to express in writing here other than for someone who has already gotten involved, someone who has started studying Likut Moran in depth and, and is able to see what we're describing here, see the incredible way how he goes from one thing to the next drawing connections and more connections and showing the interconnections between them and building an incredible, beautiful tapestry. And Rav Zal concludes with a bracha, ashray to the person who is to taste the incredible sweetness of the depth of Rav Nassim Zal's Torah. Any questions? Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi. Aleichem Shalom. So, um... Are there any other ingredients that allow us to tap into this beauty of teachings of Rabbeinu? There are times that you study and you're really taken... uh, Your breath is taken away with the beauty of the words of the tzaddik, and other times you can read the same text and it just doesn't talk to you. What are some of the ingredients that allow us to really tap into the... Oh, of the tzaddik. One of the things that's definitely helpful is the Likutei Rab Rab Zal wrote a Tfila for most of the chapters of Likutei Imran, and those that he didn't, his student Rab Nachman Tshirin also wrote some, and the, the Likutei Tfilois is like a Rashi on Likutei Imran. Sometimes, what, depending on how a person's mind is working, there's a concept of de de'Gadlus and de de'Katnos. Sometimes a person's brain is open and they're able to think big and they're able to absorb more and, and relate to it and understand it and appreciate it. Sometimes a person's brain isn't working that well, that, that large. And, and here, sometimes a person could use the Likutei Tfilois or the Kitzer Likutei to be able to get a... Not, number one, the Likutei Tfilois will explain and clarify in, on a simple level and on a practical level, what we're trying to achieve, what Rabbein is trying to achieve in each Torah, number one. And, and in addition, the, the Kitzerli Kutemran, let's say, will just extract the practical advice. Sometimes a person gets confused a little bit by the different Sukkim and Gemaras, and they're not able to... What exactly is he, is the main thing that Rabbein is trying to, to say here? and a person will look at the Kitzli Kutim Ran there, and that'll help the person focus in on the practical advice to know what that is, and what's the trimmings, what's the what's the additional chidushim, that kind of thing. Thank you very much. Sure. In this chapter, paragraph 390, we have two more paragraphs to finish this, this section. <clears throat> Rabnosan Zal writes that chapter 4 in the second half of Likut Emran, Rabbeinazal goes into an unusual explanation about an infection. When a person has an infection and the, the a certain part of the body gets infected and then there's pus inside, and in order for the person to be cured, <coughs> it requires opening up the infection, what they call it, lancing it sometimes, and then they have to be very careful to make sure to extract all of the pus from it and then close it properly <clears throat> and the whole process. And Rabbeinu Sal goes into detail explaining how sometimes when an infection is first developing, the person doesn't realize it. And by the time they realize they have an infection, it's progressed to a level where it could become dangerous to the person sometimes if it isn't dealt properly. And sometimes, It's at a point where the doctors take a look and they say, unfortunately, the infection has spread or it's in so delicate a place that we can't touch it, chas So here, Rabbein Hazal goes into a whole detailed explanation of this and a person learning the Torah wonders like, what's that doing inside of this Torah? And Rabbein Hazal says, I heard from some of my friends that this was a she'er that Rabbeinu gave on Shavuos, and shortly before that, one of his students that lived in the city of Ladijan, Reb Getzel, had a terrible infection in the anus, in the the back the back of the body, and he was extremely ill, and the infection was so bad that the doctors had pretty much given up. And they said, he's not going to survive this, because they said, even if we were to open it, open the infection, we would have to clean it out completely and extract all of the, all of the pus and th- other things that are inside of it. <clears throat> and they said, it's impossible to do it because it's all the way inside and, and he'll definitely die and the people, the students from the people of, from the city of Ladishan who had come for Shavuos, told Rabbein Zal about this problem. During Shavuos, Rabbein Zal gave this shir and he spoke about an infection and exactly how it affects the body and exactly how we go about curing it and healing it. When those students went back to Ladishan, went back home after Shavuos, they found out that at the exact time that Rabbein was giving that shear, the infection burst open, and, and the pus started oozing out of it, and several days afterwards, the student was cured and healed completely. And Rabbein says that we, we, knew, we know this to be a definite fact that we saw several times that whatever was going on with Rabbi Nazar's students at the time, or in the general world at the time, was all included in the different Torah that Rabbi Nazar spoke, and through the Torah that he spoke, he would draw a refuah, or a tikkun, or a Hamtoka for whatever crisis, whatever problem was going on in the world, on a, on a global level, on a local level, or with any of his individual students through the Torah that he was speaking, he would bring, he would draw a solution at, for, for the problem. The final item in this section, Shin three ninety one. Aleph 391, Zal says, I heard it said over in the name of Zal that he once gave a beautiful moshel, a parable, to explain why he's telling us so many of these wondrous Torahs and stories, deep stories, and tzichos. It seems if a person looks at what Rabbeinu gave over, this one person who who passed away at the age of 38, it's like a, a flood of knowledge and information that he gave over to his students, and we know that not everything was written down, so there's even much more than that. And even though we don't necessarily see that he accomplished everything he wanted to regarding his students, meaning how to what levels he wanted them to achieve of perfection, of closeness to Hashem. So Rabbein gave a Moshe regarding this. He said that there was a king who had an only son <coughs> and the son became very, very sick and different doctors tried to heal him and they saw they couldn't do it and they pretty much gave up on being able to cure the the prince. Then at one point, an incredibly bright doctor came along, and the king pleaded with him. He begged him to do whatever he could to see if he could cure the prince. So this doctor said to the king, the truth is that in order to cure your son, it's, it's very, very difficult. However, There is one thing that can possibly serve to cure him, but I don't know whether to tell you this because it's very, very difficult. It's something that's extremely difficult for you to be able to do. So the king insisted and begged him, you have to tell me what it is. So he told him, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Your son, the prince, is extremely sick to the point where he's so weak that he cannot even take medication into his mouth, not even a drop. We know that there are times that a person has a baby, a small child, and they have to give the baby some kind of medicine, and they, they try, and sometimes the baby is stubborn, fighting it, that it's almost impossible to get it into their mouth. And when supposedly they succeed, get it into their mouth, the baby spits it out a moment afterwards. So here we're not talking about a baby, we're talking about a person who was so ill that couldn't even handle a drop of medication orally. And the doctor said, however, there are very, very expensive medicines where a small little vial of this medicine can cost hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands. And, and we, we need to fill up a barrel of this medicine and take pictures of this (coughs) and pour it over your son. Now what's gonna happen in doing that is that the vast majority of it is gonna go to waste. However, however, you're gonna see that his body is gonna start healing gradually through this. And maybe as a result of pouring these gallons of this medicine on him, a little bit, a couple of drops will go into his mouth and, and through that he'll be able to get cured, he'll be able to be healed the king immediately agreed to this and he gave the command that they should acquire this medicine and sure enough the prince was healed and Rav Zal says we could understand the interpretation of this parable that because we in our generation, and imagine Rav Nosanzal saying this approximately 200 years ago, almost 200 years ago. Because we are so sick spiritually, the tzaddik, who is the greatest doctor, has to use very, very expensive medicines to be able to cure us and heal us. And even though it seems to us that the majority of it is going to waste, meaning that there are so many people that are hearing his words, and not necessarily accepting it, and not, not necessarily fulfilling what the tzaddik says. Still, some of the smell, some of the aroma, is absorbed. And and with time, with with the, the passing of time, maybe will be zayicha to get a couple of drops of this medicine inside of us, to the point. Where, even if a few little drops of this incredible powerful medicine will reach inside of us, will be Zacha to a complete Refuah, Baruchmias, Ubigashmias. And he closes with the words, Amen, Kayn, Yehirotsein. May this be the will of Hashem that we should be Zacha. Meaning that here again, there are times, and, and we see this in Sephirom, there are times when a person is far from Hashem and somebody tries to do outreach, and they speak to them, and they speak to them, and it looks to them like, like they're getting nowhere, not affecting the person at all. And you very often, if the person doesn't give up with time, and persistence, and patience, if it's the right person that's talking, and they know how to speak, and what to say, and what not to say, and when to say, they see that eventually, eventually, the words do go in, and, and can affect an incredible change, an incredible cure in the person. We know the story of the Baltfila that Rabbenazal told, the master of prayer, where he said that there were people of a particular country where their problem was Tivus Momoin, where to them their idol was money. That was that was what they worshipped. That was the most important thing in life. That, that drove their lives, and depending on how much money a person had, that would define their status to the point where people who were really wealthy, they would look upon them as an actual God, an actual Hashem. We know that on the American coins it says, in God we trust. And most people know, realize that that's the God, that's the trust. person has a certain amount of money in the bank, they have confidence. If they have less than that, they don't trust, they, they, they're insecure, chas v'shalem. And Rabbeinu Salviya says that the Baltfila, some of the Baltfilas people went to the country and tried speaking to people, and they saw they couldn't get through, no way. Then the Baltfila himself went and spoke to the people and tried convincing them that they had a wrong outlook on life. And he spoke and spoke, and at first seemed nothing, zero, not getting through at all but then he tried again on a different occasion, and then at one point they said, even if you're right, big deal, we're just two people, we can't change the whole country, we can't change the world. And the Baal felt, he he was encouraged by this, that he saw at least he's starting to infuse a little bit of doubt into their minds. So that the, the point that's being made here is that sometimes it takes patience and persistence. One of the greatest tests, especially in our time, is that there's no patience. People don't have patience. And and they're not willing to persist. There are people that say that they were absent when Hashem was giving out patience at the creation of the world. They were absent at that time. They didn't get the patience. Today, everything has to be real-time, instant gratification. And if a person doesn't get, doesn't see the change they want to see, they're ready to give up. They're ready to quit. And Rav Nossam makes it clear here that when it comes to curing people that are spiritually ill, it takes a lot, a lot of medicine, and it takes persistence, and if a little drop, if a few drops of that medicine go into the person, it will be able to make life-changing improvements. We should be zirche, to, to study the words of the tzaddikim, and to try our best to absorb them, and to complement it with tefillah, praying to Hashem, pleading with Hashem, that we should be zircheh to understand properly what we're learning and get all the benefits of it. Be zircheh to see the whole world get the refuah shalema that it needs. Baruch nis with the coming of Moshiach. The next section, the next section we're going to go into is entitled Inyan Salav, The controversy about Rabbein during Rabbein lifetime obviously we'll have some interesting things that we're going to we're going to go through Shem. wishing everybody a wonderful Thank week you. yeshua's voice